All right. Wow, I keep forgetting the camera's there. Well, that's a great thing. Why? So I can look natural? Yeah. They always say, forget the camera's there. Mm, done. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be a great reality TV star. Welcome to Avant Gossip. I'm Hope. I'm Jackie. And we read stuff and talk about it. Yeah, pretty much. Most of the time it's about design. Art, fashion. And that kind of realm. And yeah, we definitely read a lot. And then we gab. We just come here and talk about it. We, we talk shit about it, like in a nice way, you know, <laughs> as if they're, the people involved are our friends, even though often they died like hundreds of years ago. Yeah, exactly. We have critiques on things. And so today we're talking about roller skating. But before we get into that, Jackie, what's trending for you? Oh, man. Well, I mean, not to get depressing, but to get depressing. I mean, I've been protesting a lot. Um, and yeah, just... Yeah, as you probably already know, you guys, there's a genocide happening in Palestine. And I've been <laughs> crying a lot and protesting and trying to make sure that I can feel like I'm doing something in this midst of things. Um, but mostly just collective hanging out and organizing. Yeah, you were, I mean, the Friday thing, there were snack packs involved. There were ladders. That ladder was tall. Yeah, I honestly wasn't on that team. Um, but... Yeah, that was very impressive how we got that done. So there was a banner that was put up at the federal building downtown Seattle um, that said uh, Murray ceasefire, which, by the way, referring to Senator Patty Murray. Yeah, by the way, which this is a, a slight win, not enough. She did ask for a humanitarian pause. Which doesn't make any goddamn sense to me in the sense of what it's are like we pausing? Fire for a little bit. Yeah, let's like like feed the people so you can kill them later on. Like it doesn't make any sense, but something is happening. There is some like she responded exactly. Finally, she was completely not responding, ignoring everything, and not very many senators have signed on. There's one. There's been one person that's asked for a ceasefire in the senator in Illinois. Yeah, David. Dillabrocki? I don't know how to say his name. And I could be saying his first name wrong, but it's DD, I think, his initials. And it blows my mind. It just blows my mind. Not even Bernie Sanders, whatever. So we're just, yeah, it's grieving collectively and doing stuff about it was what I've been up to. So, so what's trending with you, Hope? I literally could not think of like a way to describe things right now. I was like, I. I feel like in one breath I could say I'm handling shit and I'm doing the most. And then in another breath I could be like, I'm so tired. I've just consistently been so depleted and exhausted from being out protesting and also just from living a very full, busy life. Mm -hmm. I, I actually, my friend, hi Nika, if you're listening, came to um, the place where I was dancing in San Francisco um, she lives there, and she came and met me in the hotel where I was dancing for the weekend. Yeah, no, that though, made sense to me. Even though it was like an hour train ride from her, it was very, I was very touched, and I feel like she like 
witness me doing this like very niche sub like within this very niche subculture where she's like oh like when you said you were dancing you meant you're like traveling to go compete and like spending hours a week and then you also have a podcast like how how are you doing this and I I feel like my response was so annoying I was like just like don't watch tv and I don't have very much structured time and it's like I hate when people are like I don't watch tv because it's like watching tv is great everyone should do it yeah they're making great tv right now we're not you know the writer's strike is, is is a thing but I think the writer strike is done but the SAG strike is still going I'm on. so out of the loop on that one but what I'm saying is like watching TV is great and I think that the actual way that I do all this stuff is that I don't clean or take care of things like getting a new driver's license or you know like getting rid of the box spring that's just in my basement and so I've been trying to do all of that stuff and it's like, oh, my God, dude, I'm literally doing the most. It's yeah. Just like I feel fucking insane. I can tell when I'm feeling like I'm doing too much is when my bed isn't being made. It's like mm. and then the, the collection of laundry. There's usually just like a small pile of laundry constantly on my bed. Mm-hmm. But if it starts to grow, that means I'm too busy doing something else. I think mine might be my hair. I feel like. I have to be pretty busy before I completely abandon my hair. And this week, I just didn't wash it for like a week straight. It was like really, really dire. Yeah. It was getting really dire. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are feeling like that because I talked to our friend and they were like, oh, yeah, I have all this. I think everybody has like all these things I need to get done. But it's like it's not the most important thing right now. It really isn't. And I've been so much more at peace with that where it's like I'm still having people over. I feel like I'm constantly hosting, but I've just gone to this place where I'm like my place might be messy when people come over and I don't care I don't really want like when I think about what I want people to think about me like I do like that I do like having a nice house I like having a cool house but I don't need people to be like wow she's so neat and tidy no dust in that house like I don't give a shit yeah also that's a little psychotic for someone to be like have night to me if I walk in and there's not like one dish in the sink I am like (laughs) what are you doing yeah like you just you've just been waiting for me to arrive yeah scrubbing every last crevice yeah you gotta have it a little dirty to make it feel lived in yeah um i don't i can't think of a great segue but uh Uh, dirt uh, speaking of freedom of movement yeah yeah um (laughs) free palestine that's what that's what that's referencing okay Today, we're going to talk about roller skating. the very very first seed in my brain about it was reading this article this bloomberg article by alexandra lang called teen girls need better public spaces to hang out it says teenagers are seen as invaders in so many places they are too big too loud too old for playgrounds and too young too loud too broke for restaurants bars and stores the problem is magnified for teen girls who surveys show are less likely to use the basketball courts and skate parks intended for adolescents and run the risk of harassment or worse when they appear in adult spaces So what do teen girls want? Many say they want hangout spots with cozy round tables and art or games that foster interaction, not competition. 
They want gyms and roller rinks and skate parks where they can try and fail without judgment or catcalls. They want to listen to music outdoors without having to pay for a festival ticket. Making a space for girls means rethinking what age groups need to swing and climb, how to encourage physical activity and not just playing a sport, and how to make a safe, sheltered place for outdoor conversation. I think. Wait, what is that from? It was a Bloomberg article. Oh, okay, okay. And, you know, I posted on LinkedIn. It's like literally one of two things I've ever posted on LinkedIn. Wow. I know. Because, I mean, on, on one hand, I feel like talking about teen girls in space is so easy. It's like way easier than talking about homeless people in space or talking about other groups that have been not served by public space. I feel like teen girls, it's like so easy of a, of a thing to talk about. But at the same time, it did get me thinking because as someone who's often on teams of people who are looking at spaces and saying, what should we put here? I do constantly hear people say things like basketball courts and skate parks. And I get that like women and girls can play sports and they do play sports and they should sometimes maybe play sports. But the reality is that they're not using the space as much as boys are. And it, it literally mentions roller skating once in the article. But it really just got me thinking about how that space, roller skating is about movement and it's about music and dance and having public spaces that have roller skating in that way are just using space so differently. Yeah, it's not like basketball. Basketball's a little too aggressive. Yeah. The vibe is a little too aggressive, at least. Right. If I was like, as a teenage girl, as I've been a teenage girl, I would not want to partake in that but if I saw like a skating rink with music and people doing twirls I'd be like absolutely absolutely and I think to this day when people start throwing a ball around me I get flashbacks to junior high and just not making a basket and having like the boys make fun of me Mm. and just being really not liking the feeling of messing up and then also reacting by having a lot of self-deprecating humor about it you know yeah and so I just really relate to this idea of, of bringing this kind of like other use into public space. Well, I'm thinking of dodgeball, not basketball, but I definitely had a crush on this guy and we played dodgeball, which is a violent ass sport. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I mean, is it flirty? I don't know. It's like a bit aggressive. It's exactly. And I thought this guy, I was trying to like get this guy to like me and he threw the ball in like it knocked the wind out of me <laughs> and I was like do you think he still likes me like I was like that he was his well way of flirting have. with me I mean yeah I might, he, he didn't he didn't give a shit about me but I'm also just like why did men think that it was okay to throw like they could have thrown I mean, the ball not so the hard of the game but yeah they should be it's like yeah you so don't need intense. to go full force but. why is that a game though Anyways, I know they played at Cal Anderson. They there's like really intense and it does actually look pretty fun and there's music and it, it's kind of all ages in a way that's cool. Um, but yeah, you won't see me out there. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I don't. Are people wearing like any kind of protective gear? It's not like not that I noticed. I think that's insane. Anyways, I'm just like, yeah, okay. yeah, because we're like frightened old ladies. Yeah. So I've been thinking about this this type of use for public space and then leave it to NPR. I was listening to the story that was talking about the history of roller rinks within Washington. And I mean, roller skating was really big nationally, and I'm going to get into all of that. But in Washington, in particular, roller skating rinks uh, were great because it rains a lot. And so it was like a thing that you could do. Yeah, just in case you don't know, it does rain a lot on the west side of, right. of the mountains. Right. Um, but I think you guys knew that. Famously, yeah. <laughs> I told my new coworker who just moved to Seattle that no one here uses umbrellas because it's just like a sprinkle. She was like, where do you guys store your umbrellas? And I was like, I mean, first of all, if I had brought an umbrella into work, I'd probably just put it on the floor. 
but no one here uses umbrellas and she was incredulous and was like what do you mean and we were all like no yeah it's just because it kind of sprinkles and then it's been like a deluge pouring pouring ever since i've been eating my there words. was like lightning the other day yesterday yeah the i went to a bagel shop and the guy saw lightning he was like should we go home and i was like <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, that's how I am at any job. There's like any kind of weather disturbance, even though it's non-threatening. I'm like, so what do you think? Close up shop? Yeah, I was like, yes, I'm for this, but I need my bagel before you leave. Yeah, yeah. This feels like a bit of a segue. But um, as I learned more about roller skating and its role within Washington, I learned that it was also really significant for is and was very significant for black Americans. And wouldn't you know it, there has been a shit ton of discrimination that has happened at roller rinks and other recreation spaces. Um, But nevertheless, there's been like beautiful culture that's flourished within it. So I want to kind of go back and talk about some of the history of it. And then can I say something? Yeah. There was that Netflix series about like how rap became a thing in the 70s in New York. It was fictional, but it was like historical, mm-hmm. history, historic fiction. I can't remember the name of it, but you guys, maybe you guys remember it. Anyways, it was rich in going to the skating rink. Yeah. There was a big showing of the skating rink in that world that they have yeah we're gonna absolutely talk about that so someone had to have invented roller skates at one at one time and who the person who happened to get credit for it was a belgian man named john joseph merlin this was in 1760 and legend has it he's at a party and he put wheels on his feet to show off like his new skates he just like i guess invented them on the spot or had been like had it brewing and just wanted to show his friends at this party so he just starts wheeling around this masquerade party while playing the violin. He's being like, when is this? 1760. Okay. I was about to say like violin. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm picturing kind of like the great vibes. But yeah, he's just being an absolute silly guy. Like I kind of on one hand, I'm like, that seems kind of annoying. Like, I don't need you being a jester rolling around on some dangerous contraption while playing the violin. And then on the other hand, I'm like, I don't know. There's some parties that they reach a certain lull and you really want someone like that who mm-hmm. just like absolutely spices things up. Yeah. No, that's he sounds like a good time. Yeah. So he was definitely bored. He was bored, maybe drunk, maybe sad. Who knows? Yeah, it was a combo of things happening. <laughs> but at least he one thing he was was a talented violinist. And that's what, how I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, I am imagining like a perfect like symphony. Yeah. Coming out while he like... Josh is around. And, and we're talking about the great as in like Catherine the Great, the show with Ella Fanning, just so if for reference. Mm-hmm. But he also plays the violin and the Peter. Oh. And he par- plays it terribly. Like he's like, let me play you the violin. And he's like, anyways. Oh my God. RIP. Yeah. So the next iteration of skates were sometimes referred to as parlor velocipedes. Uh, velocipede at the time was another word for a bike. And skates earned the parlor prefix because German barmaids would ride on them to like make it fa- like faster for them to serve drinks. So- oh my god, this is reminding me of Sonic. Yeah, for and sure. And I wanted to work at Sonic so bad just to be on the roller skates. I think they still do that. Really? I don't think it's like I think it was like mandatory at one point, but now it's just optional. Dude, it makes so much sense. Like the amount of walking around you do when in food service, it's like I yeah, and you know how fast I walk. It's like I'm just like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like all around. I, on roller skates, it would look so much cooler. It, yeah, no, people would be like, 
you want your food yeah you know like do a spin <laughs> up to it and you're like okay here's 18 dollars for just a spin like yeah and so the german barmaids they were doing it and then in 1863 this guy named james plimpton plimpton he designed a new quad skate that could be steered by leaning left or right which is like the skates we use today they were lighter and safer great except there were no labor laws at the time so people we're working 12 to 14 hours a day, except really rich people. So at this time, only really rich people are skating and they're skating in like suits, like tuxes and like really fancy dresses. Interesting. And they're just like, you know, they're like ballroom dancing where they're like, are they? Or whatever dance they were doing. I don't know. They were doing some like sexless dance, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Interesting. That's kind of disappointing. Then the early 20th century saw new labor laws and Plimpton got to pimpin. He starts. Oh, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to right right past that. Yeah, I obviously wrote that down. That's, that's obvious. Um, but so t he starts building like tons of roller rinks. He's opening rinks. He's offering lessons. He's promoting roller skating as a pastime that can be enjoyed by men and women, which is rare at this time. And so turns out women really like skating because it's this thing they can go out and do and not be chaperoned. So like men and women could actually like be in the same place. Why? Why is that ex an exception? I think there just like wasn't a space or an activity that made sense. Like, I don't know. Okay. That's a great question. I guess because it was sort of public space. It was like everyone was there. Okay. But yeah, that's a good question. Why didn't, their, why didn't their parents just come? But that was what happened. And it was like a mini sexual revolution of sorts. Like because men and women were just like hanging out together. Oh my God. I mean, I'm thinking of ice skating and it's giving me little women. But I also read like books uh, of that like time period in the 1800s in America where people were ice skating. Hmm. It doesn't count as much but people it was like kids and they would like fall on top of each other and i would get real horny reading it whoa was so it supposed to make was do you think it was supposed to 100 percent. interesting why would they just write about them falling on top of each other and being like having crushes on each other yeah man uh yeah that's basically what was happening and so they're just colliding into each other being like oops yeah and like they're just out and about and yeah just going in circles yeah just getting dizzy in love yeah and so in a similar way to how the bike played a role in women's suffrage, so did the roller skate. Do you have that association between the bicycle and women's suffrage? I guess uh, it's the, around that time period, but I don't have that association. I guess, yes, no, I do, because women need to wear pants to w ride the bike. Interesting. Well, I guess like as cycling became a safer and more accessible pastime, women were like really into it because it allowed them to get around, mm. you know, and like have more freedom in that way. And it became popular among suffragettes to a point where there was a phrase that, or woman is riding to suffrage on the bicycle uh is something that they would like write in the newspapers oh my god just start a girl gang i i feel like that still lives on i mean i, I was definitely part of like period cycle you know mm -hmm. yeah. yeah women being mobile together yeah yeah I guess in the UK, the suffragettes adopted skates on at least one occasion as part of a protest against women's disenfranchisement through the tax system. In 1911, a large group of suffragettes hired and hid out in a London skating rink to avoid the census, a part of a national campaign under the slogan, we don't count, we won't be counted. What's that mean? That they don't, they can't vote. And so they, they're like, don't count me in the census. I don't even count. You're not going to let me vote. Like, Smart. Then I don't want to be part of your statistic 
smart this is probably pretty much exclusively white women though let's i feel like that has to be said for sure yeah yeah and so roller indoor roller skating is becoming recognized for its medical benefits and people are like outdoor roller skating is for transportation you get the first roller derby in the 1930s there's a whole like roller skate rink owners association it's considered like an excellent like a good escape during world war ii and in the 1940s there's eight thousand rinks um, operating nationwide um, and an estimated 18 million people skated. Wait, what? This is roller skating, America's favorite fun sport, a wholesome year-round recreation, one of our truly great all-American participant sports. Roller skating is everywhere, north, south, east, west, in all the 48, in big cities, small towns, and in rural communities dotting the map, from Maine to San Diego, sunny Florida to Puget Sound, Milwaukee to the Gulf of Mexico, everywhere, the whir of rolling wheels. Teenagers rated tops for exciting fun and for wholesome recreation. Its year-in, year-out popularity with high-spirited, fun-loving teenagers has no real equal. Their parents, too. Mom, the family's busy homemaker. And hardworking dad. It's leisure fun for them, too. Here's Grandpop reading his evening paper. Grandmom with her needles and yarn. They, too, enjoy roller skating. It's wholesome sport for all ages. Today, more than 18 million Americans are roller skating enthusiasts. That seems like a crazy high number. Yeah, a lot. It was like, there weren't a lot of options. They didn't have like axe throwing. They didn't have like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there are pictures of people like, like protests or like gatherings or just random gatherings. And there's so many more people than there are now. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because like they had one option. Well, yeah. I mean, think about the country, like way less infrastructure, way fewer options, places to go. But also, so like as historians often reflect on this time with nostalgia it's like this heyday of recreation not just skating rinks but parks amusement parks pools but it was a segregated experience like black americans didn't have access to these places in the same way that white people did and dr victoria wolcott who's a professor who spent like 10 years researching and writing a book called race riots and roller coasters talks about how the hardest the three hardest public spaces to desegregate during the civil rights era were public pools amusement parks and roller skating rinks and from the time that parks become a thing like mid 1800s on black people either aren't allowed in because it's policy or because like white people are violent towards them so it's either like they call it de facto or de jure segregation where either it's like literally a rule that black people can't come or it's like they'll be harmed if they come because like uh, yeah (sighs) yeah so okay victoria wolcott writes oh yeah Recreation was a central racial battleground during the post-war period, in part because leisure and consumerism had become key motifs in American life. The relative prosperity of American families meant they had both more time and money to travel to an amusement park or frequent a roller skating rink. The baby boom brought increasing demands for kiddie parks and playgrounds, and by the 1950s, growing ranks of teenagers looking for leisure and escape. Within the African-American community, reformers had been leading campaigns for access to recreational facilities at least since the Great Migration following World War I. By World War II, with a second Great Migration underway, these demands became more pressing. 
ordinary African-American citizens crowded into parks and beaches to occupy public space while demanding equality and supporting reformers' efforts. Yeah, so basically it's like you've got labor laws that make it so people have more time to recreate and then you have like post-World War II where people have more money and leisures because leisure is like a new thing basically and so there's all these spaces that are popping up for them and she writes these sites of commercial recreation were usually heterosocial where men and women met for leisure and relaxation like I was saying this gender mixing immediately raised the specter of miscegenation as leisure suggested physical intimacy as Edward Ayers points out the history of segregation shows a clear connection to gender the more closely linked to sexuality the more likely was a place to be segregated. A lot of historians, she argues, focus more on like housing, like racism that prevented black people from living in certain neighborhoods or to mobility and stuff that's super, super important. But in this interesting way, like recreation is a space where things come to a head even more because you have genders mixing, you have culture really on display. And so differences in culture, I mean, whatever. It wasn't even just differences in cultures. It was just white people being racist and not and not wanting black people there. And then there would be violence and people would use the violence as an excuse saying when you get black and white people together, they just fight. And it's like, no, literally white people were being violent. And that's the problem. Like all they all people wanted was just access to be able to to use parks. Martin Luther King writes in the she opens this chapter with Martin Luther King saying, When you suddenly find your tongue twisted and your speech stammering as you seek to explain to your six-year-old daughter why she can't go to the public amusement park that has just been advertised on television and see tears welling up in her eyes when she is told that Funtown is closed to colored children, then you will understand why we find it difficult to wait. And it's just like gut-wrenching and was particularly horrible for children because they just like wanted to have fun. Didn't uh, expect Martin Luther King to show up in that, but uh, that is... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like... I mean, there's no peace. And the thing is, I just feel like, yeah, it's that's about liberation. That's it's, not about peace. Like, Right, right. And I will mention now that Angela Davis was just talking about the connection between Palestinian freedom and the, exactly. the black struggle and saying that like during George Floyd protests, Palestinians were showing up in support and getting killed or injured because of showing this support and the struggles are related a hundred percent i mean there is a black activist back in the 60s and 70s and there's a clip of him being like you there could be peace and you are enslaved that peace Mm -hmm. is a white man's word and it's like yeah they'll they'll use that as a a tool of violence almost like why aren't they'll hit you and ask you yeah yeah and but liberation is the word that we should be looking for Mm -hmm. you know and so people can all go to the fun town (laughs) yeah um (laughs) And in the 40s and 50s, especially American African-Americans protested against and had sit-ins to fight for the right to be in roller rinks. Oftentimes, they're only allowed in once a week or just not welcome at all. There were, you know, black-owned rinks as well. Um, but there's all these protests that are were actually skating protests where you have people coming to the rinks and saying, everybody should be able to skate. They say forward forever, backwards never, put down the hate and let's skate. Um, mm. there was in this book also, they, she talks about this communist, this communist journal that did an investigation of a roller rink. They sent a black person in and what would always happen is that the rink people would charge, would try to charge them like double the amount that they were charging everyone else. And so they sent two white people in on the mission as well to say like, Hey, why are you charging that person more like that much money? You didn't charge us that much money. Like, and I don't know, they were like able to get him in 
because of that, it's because white people spoke up. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, yeah, that's the. And I, I do want to mention she's a white writer. And uh-huh. like, I feel like having these stories that are like the heroic white person to yeah. help them get in. But I think it's like the it was the rules were squishy. It was like there were yeah. people were just doing shit to try to keep people out. The, almost so much shit that you can't keep up with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you're like when people are like, how are they oppressing you? And you're like, there's just like all these little ways that mm-hmm. add up to a lot of things. But it's yeah. hard. It makes it harder to explain the oppression. Yeah. So in 1955, Detroit, the Rollercade was opened. It was the first African-American-owned skating rink. In 1963, Ledger Smith, known as Roller Man, skated 685 miles from Chicago to D.C. to attend the March on Washington. He was wearing a placard that said freedom around his neck, and he lost 10 pounds on the way. (laughs) Whoa. Wait, so where did he start? Chicago. And all the way to D.C., he skated, like, with his skates. With his roller skates. And he had, like... He had a crew with him, like, driving alongside of him. You know, he got – people tried to run him off the road a few times. But, like, he had his, like, people with him. Afterwards, he was like, I don't want to see these fucking skates for, like, a really long time. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I went biking for one long bike trip, and I was like, never again am I biking, I guess. That's so cool, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was just so – it was, like, such a symbol of, like, wanting true freedom, you know, to be able to, to use space in the same way. As white people. And one thing that, that white people did was that they would just, once there were segregation laws, they would they would have their businesses really far away so that you couldn't access them by public transportation. That was like the Disneyland era. All the, it's like suburban amusement parks that are separate from the city and they're separate from the city on purpose. And so there's all these different ways that white people are trying to keep interesting um, black I mean, I, people out. White flight is, the I think, the thing. But that is, I didn't know, that makes sense. Or it's like clubs, you know, like yeah. golf clubs or like things where it was a membership. And so it wasn't just, oh, yeah. it's like a whole other way to like. Private schools. Not allowed. That's how like all the Christian private schools in Nashville literally mm-hmm. popped up eight, the same year desegregation happened in buses. Yeah. yeah. The, and the thing is, like many aspects of American culture, it's made cool by black people. Like style skating a skate dancing style that has splintered into hundreds of regional variants got its start in detroit there's this guy named bill butler who started skating in 1945 at the arcadia ballroom in detroit on the one night that black people were allowed in and at the time skating rinks were typically they would be they'd be playing like chintzy organ music and then on black nights they'd play like ella fitzgerald and night train and and so Bill Butler sees this guy Archie skating like all cool and he goes home and he starts practicing in his garage. No one knows that he's skating. He's just like practicing in private. And then years later, he's an Air Force sergeant stationed in Alaska. And he like, goes, wait, he's practicing in private, like in mm-hmm. his backyard, in his garage. That's some dedication, which he won't be the last person skating in his garage in this episode. That's all I've ever wanted to do is secretly learn something and then shock everybody. When- My brother secretly learned dance in his garage. For his wedding? No, it was way before. He would like send videos of himself dancing to his girlfriend. So I guess not really secret. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you find out? I, maybe we saw the videos. Maybe it wasn't secret. It just was in a garage. 
<laughs> yeah, it's hard to keep things secret now is what I've been getting to. So hard. Yeah, especially when you're filming yourself and showing everyone. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but so then he goes to Alaska and at night he's going to the rinks. Like, you know, he's not going with his sergeant buddies. He's just going out by himself to the rinks and he's pr- perfecting his signature JAMA style, a term he borrowed from both jazz and roller derby. In roller derby, it refers to the team member who tries to pull ahead of the pack um, and like lap the group. Um, and then he was like doing movements that mirrored the solos on jazz records he'd skate to. And then in 1957, he gets assigned to the airport station in Brooklyn and he shows up at the nearest rink called Empire Roller Dome, where mostly black skaters were rolling around to live organ music. And he approaches the woman. Organ in ch- music. Yeah. Interesting. Like it's, church music? I guess. Yeah. I think. It, yeah. Yeah. And so he he shows up and he asks the lady in charge if she would play night train and it says the needle dropped and style skating changed forever started that because yeah. he asked for a song <laughs> yeah and he'd been perfecting his style yeah, of skating. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like doing these cool moves he's known as the godfather of roller disco and his style of skating jamming is built around rhythmic dips spins crisscrosses and turns and is now seen by fellow skaters as the beginning of roller disco Cher even hires him as her skating date for a night when she goes to empire soon after the release of her roller disco inspired song hell on wheels there's like a picture of him skating with her that's amazing i know that's hilarious yeah Cher, it's it's just cr- how many lives Cher has lived mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I, yeah i just saw a video of her where she was talking about her boyfriend that was maybe fake and, it, and he's like 20 something yeah and i think not good like i think he's like abusive uh, to other women or something there's some drama with that i don't know what the i forgot it I'm sounds like, unhinged for sure i mean sh- i don't know where share like i don't i'm like is share all there like no, i know i mean i've seen like i'm just saying that based on her tweets yeah like all capital letters no commas periods a lot of exclamation marks though i mean are we just gonna look back and think about how like we wrote older women off as crazy just because they weren't social media savvy you know like with britney uh, all capital all capital letters okay yeah like britney is all caps is a very grandma on accident thing to do every time that's a yeah fair point i feel like you know you can turn off the caps once or like you would see a lowercase for the first letter i feel something. like women above a certain age tolerate an insane amount of malfunction in their computer lives like, I think I see myself becoming like that where I'm like, I guess Adobe Illustrator just always does this thing now. I, there's <laughs> definitely no setting. I can never change it. I will live with this for the rest of my life. Yeah, like- that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. She, yeah. Um, like her, you're saying her capital locks is on like and she lock just and she's just, like, she can't fucking change it. Yeah. Maybe she just hasn't <laughs> even tried. I mean, she's a busy woman. It's like on her to-do list, you know, like her long to-do list. Yeah. I'm wondering how busy she actually is these days, but yeah, great question. Um, okay, so desegregation happens, but there's still segregation. 
because there's other ways besides just the law that you can i mean it's still segregated it's still segregated yeah so and they're only allowing black people in on one night of the week but instead of being overt about it they use coded names like motown night mlk adult night right and so what it be what what sticks is adult night and even to this day there are adult nights at ranks yeah white people go to those white people go to them but yeah uh, <laughs> but yeah I definitely that's got, the history of it i didn't though. know they called it mlk night lots of different things that's kind of offensive yeah and so on those nights there's lots of security sometimes shittier bathrooms like they're not you know it's it's not the same experience rinks start saying things like no bandanas no hip-hop no sagging pants which is still the case today. I was telling my coworker, I've been preaching the gospel of roller skating, which also, by the way, I don't roller skate, just so everyone knows. Yeah. I have rollerblades that I bought during the pandemic. I've used them once. I've used mine like three times, and I keep on being, every time I go, I'm like, I'm going to get better. I'm going to start going more. And I'm like, I do not have time for that. You have to really invest. And so I was telling my coworker, and she was like, yeah, I got kicked out of a rink or told, she, not she didn't get kicked out. She just, she wasn't allowed to wear a bandana. They like don't, it's like, mm. you know, so this was in the, 2000s sometime a lot of people to like i was saying they close their rink they move it into the suburbs a lot of rinks close a lot of black owned rinks close i don't fully understand why i think generally just like disinvestment into black neighborhoods but also there's can i say one more thing about sagging yeah um my friend was telling me i refuse to be on like that next door app or whatever it's Mm -hmm. called just because i would be angry every single day Mm -hmm. for like it was halloween and they were talking telling me about how they're complaining about how some certain people are sagging pants. They're like, you should pull up their pants when they grab my candy. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. OK, sir. Yeah, it's crazy. That's you can't. Next door is like it's coded. Oh, for sure. It's <laughs> it's like a really dark, dark part of humanity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I was just like, I can't believe old people get on this app and complain about such things. But mm-hmm. anyways, yeah. Yeah. This so, was this year, 2023. Yeah. Our, the year of our Lord. Um, so despite rinks closing, culture flourishes in, in skate rinks. There's these regional dance styles that are popping up and like everyone has, you know, from Philadelphia to Los Angeles, people are, are skating their own special way. Disco evolves along with skating. Um, you have like Salt and Peppa and Queen Latifah performing in rinks. Like sometimes people are performing there because they're not getting gigs other places or you know like they the rink is a is a venue also like it's just a big open space you can do a lot of stuff with big open space in the documentary united skates that we watched um salt and peppa talk about how like it was so nerve-wracking because you'd show up and everyone's skating and having a good time and then they have to stop skating so that you can perform so you're yeah. like, oh, i hope they like it but it's like it's becoming a concert circuit as well as a daycare there's a thing called seven to seven where you could drop your kid off at seven in the morning and they could stay and skate till seven. So like working moms who are dropping their kids off. They they would skate for 12 hours and hang, you know, there's food, there's tables like, wow, it's just like a space. It's a, we should definitely bring that back. Yeah. I mean, we, you were, you watched the documentary with me. They were showing footage of the early two or like the two thousands, you know, this is still a thing. There'd be like old men at the table playing dominoes and like, there was a family, a mom, a, a dad, and a baby in a stroller. They were all like skating together mm-hmm. at the rink, and like it's so like a true, a true third place, a true community space. Like you could just show up, and you'd know people there, and beautiful. Yeah, um, people are attaching skates to their shoes. 
it's like no one really uses like the kind of shoes you rent at a roller rink everyone's just like making their own skates putting this the skates on their converse Mm -hmm. smart yeah these are the skills that i wish i knew if i you you, i think you know how to screw in a pair of skates you think so yeah do you think i know how to make a will though people are making wills well i think some of the pieces they would just buy they like i don't know that they were like carving them okay um but but then like black americans specifically were using really small wheels that was one of the things that or, they, what are they called squeaky wheels or whatever mi- micro wheels micro wheels but i think they're super squeaky i think they're yeah so they're loud and that's why the rink people would be like you can't have small wheels and that would be another way of like not letting black people into rinks um they are super loud though <laughs> and according to our friend oh uh, sid was saying that yeah yeah so rinks disappear. I mean, through the early 2000s, like this documentary was made, what was it, 2017? United Skates is made. And, and the filmmaker, Diana Winkler, and her team are like at rinks filming. They're filming all the stuff I was just talking about, like the mom and the dad skating together. This is being filmed for the documentary in 2017. And they're also documenting these rinks closing. And so on the closing nights, Everyone's just like distraught. It's a community space that they're no, no longer going to have. People are crying. It's pretty gut-wrenching to watch. I mean, what did you think? I mean, I was I was crying with them. Yeah, it's like... I mean, I, fe- I feel it in the thread of society now. And I don't think people are outraged enough because there's not like an enemy to look at. But I think about public space in general as, as a way to show... Again, I mean, keep using this word liberation of any kind. Um access for all including people that aren't experience homelessness like and we're it's dwindling it's dwindling at a frightening level um and when there is no public space that usually means there's a fascist rule like i it's very it's it's just depressing and when you see these kind of like things that bring joy into communities depleting it's a representation of what's really happening in the rest of the world too. Like, yeah, I mean, and it, I feel like it kind of builds on our our street style episode in talking about how culture needs space within which to thrive. Right, and like, you need public space to protest. You need space to gather with people, and the rinks were really providing all of that. You so there's disinvestment into black neighborhoods. Some people are are outright like they'll like double the rent because they don't want the rinks in their neighborhood. There's bans against loitering outside the rink. It's horrible. So Skate World in Los Angeles, they talk about how like it was neutral territory for Bloods and Crips. Like it was a place that people felt they, they could their teenagers were safe. Yeah, but not the parking lot. Oh, everything goes out the door once you're in the parking lot. Yeah. So I don't know. It sounds crazy going in and out. Like, how do you leave without? But but, but inside, once you're in there, once you're in there, yeah. it's like, yeah, we're all skating together, which is powerful. Totally. And landlords were trying to double their rent um, and people petitioned to save it. There was the documentary ends with this like triumphant narrative. I think it's World on Wheels in Los Angeles, which they they show the rink like being saved. Yeah. Like they uh, they they did some code stuff or something happened where they like because the zoning was also a part of that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and from what I remember in that documentary, and they worked with the city to make sure that they could reopen, essentially. Yeah, I was like trying to find more about the code, and I didn't find much. But so um, part of the way that they were able to reopen the rink was thanks to investment from a rapper, community activist, and local hero named Nipsey Hussle. And he's like featured at the end of the documentary. But unfortunately, so like 
the filmmaker Diana Winkler talks about how like it was so great to have that to be able to end on because like it was so sad keep like filming all these rinks closing yeah I bet to end on this this success but actually after the documentary came out the battle continued so the rink owner last name Karas was in a battle with the building's landlord which was called Young Management Co and the rink owner is white the Young Management Co tried to evict Karas in 2018 for not paying a property tax fee that wasn't included in his original lease Uh, he sued them the legal battle went on for two years in a deposition video obtained by the Times one of the people from Young Management Co said that after news outlets published stories discussing Nipsey Hussle's involvement with the rink, an officer asked to meet with him and told him that Hussle, while he'd garnered respect from some community members for his activism and philanthropy, the officer, the cop basically, who asked to meet with the landlord said like, he's affiliated with gang and like he has bad, like there's his rap lyrics are like scary. And the officer tells him you should. I'm really- rolling my eyes for those that can't see this. It's so annoying. Yeah. The- so what if he was? Yeah. So what if he was? Yeah. The officer said you should really consider protecting your best interest or assets by maybe amending the lease or doing something above and beyond because this guy is a real node gangbanger and has a long rap sheet. Gangbanger. God. Yeah. Um, and so the landlord took the advice and uh, like didn't sign the leasing amendment or whatever or like they just didn't let him out didn't let him yeah that's insane also like i feel like people forget that gangs are were created because no one was fucking protecting their community like the gangs aren't necessarily bad are they violent yes maybe sometimes but it's like that's who that was like a family that they had to create because the police were brutally killing them and it was like a form of community a family that they needed. Anyways, I've watched a couple. There's like a couple bios on it or documentaries on it. There's a I, I don't remember the name, but there's some on Netflix where they go into gang territory in Georgia and Atlanta and just discuss how it's like not what people think it gangs, is. Gangs are actually chill. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think we just have a perfe- perception because we've been told like, yeah. Anyways, I think it's the kind of thing that has like there are there are like real harms done but that for it's sure still racist to not rent to someone because yeah yeah um so rinks are kind of disappearing so people start traveling to skate so these gatherings become even more of a melding of skaters from different areas and an opportunity for them to showcase their regional styles we saw that in the documentary it's like dude literally all of these people all of these skaters featured in this documentary could do the splits it was like and from us, you know, a skating start, they're they're zooming around the rink and ending in the splits. And it was like our friend Rye got up and did the splits during this time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that they could do the splits before that. Yeah, they were trying to just show off. They didn't even warm up. But then I was like, I think you have that disease. Yeah. And some- they do. <laughs> <laughs> It did look like it's like it looked floppy. It didn't look athletic. It looked like a noodle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, they have like that bendy thing that they can do. But yeah, they just went. Reep. But it is crazy. People are so talented. And yeah, why don't this just that's just so cool. It was so cool. And so uh, Moody Man, uh, Moody Man's Soul Skate Party is this big thing. It embodies a long tradition where roller skating and club music intertwine. 
an article called Soul on Wheels, How Music for the Roller Rink Impacted the Club, starts, Back in 2007, I showed up, showed up at Northland for the first Soul Skate. A free soul food buffet was on offer. Around 3 a.m., the rink cleared out for the roll call in which skaters showed different regional styles. There was JB or James Brown style from Chicago, Fast Backwards from Philly slash Jersey, Detroit's slide heavy open house variant while onlookers lined the rails. The event felt convivial, wholesome, and about as far from the hedonistic movement after party scene as you could get. So like it was like club music, but different from from other club scenes, I think he's kind of trying to say. Um, And it's like they become mini festivals, basically. People are traveling to go skate to these different rinks. So then it, it becomes like much more of a like a big event with all these you know all this fanfare this food yeah and so the, what you're saying is each city has its own like dance move each city has its own regional dance style and they would like showcase them at these regional events again so cool it's so cool you see them all like some of them involve kind of like linking arms and there just be all these people out skating together with these really distinct dance styles um a decade and change later soul skate is on the map as a national skate jam 2018's edition was basically a small festival with three rinks and a four-day program that included things like an indoor picnic, a documentary screening, and adult an adult prom. It sounds so fun. An adult prom? Yeah. That is that is so Seattle. I feel like we have a bunch of adult proms. Oh, really? Yeah. We had an emo adult prom recently. Anyways, that's... They cool. do it on The Bachelor. It's like, it's a tradition that fans various cultural realms yeah yeah they did it on the bachelor mm-hmm. that's hilarious on bachelor in paradise yeah okay that makes more sense right so moody man he says that was truly a mistake talking about soul skates escalation from a local party to a national festival he said really it started out as how can i put everybody in one room and focus them on buying my t-shirts he said i want to put everybody in there and smother them with my record label it's basically about capitalism my artists my t-shirts um that was one of the ideas for soul skate and then that flopped and people didn't give a fuck about my t-shirts or my product or my records they were like when's your next skate party he laughed yeah it's its own monster now oh i love that he has a sense of humor about being a failed artist well he's not a failed artist i mean he like this big dj it's very like deep house i don't know if you ever listen to like deep house but Mm -hmm. um it's chill like i have it in in my mind now as like a cooking dinner background music or like uh it's it's good vibes. Okay. So he's this figure within skating and within music. He's a gr- he's a member of the group Three Chairs. He owns record labels Mahogany Music and KDJ Records. Yeah. So roller skating has that history, and it also, like I was saying, has a history within Washington. That not that those histories are are separate, but um, and then during the pandemic, there's like this big, not resurgence because people hadn't stopped skating, but there's an expansion of in popularity of roller skating um which i mean i bought rollerblades because i was falling in love with a hetero man at the time i mean my partner who i'm who i'm with wait rollerblades what you mean skates right? blades no i'm saying we bought blades wow and i was noting that it was the hetero thing to do you know the classic hetero thing where you buy blades together i don't know <laughs> Uh, but we we use them once but you got you bought skates and you went out a few times with I think no I think uh no Kasha our friend Kasha gave me her leftover her skates I just bought them from her because her she had bought them for her mom Mm -hmm. but her mom had already bought them for herself the same exact ones okay okay so uh, yeah you 
I you know, were okay. out. You were doing it. You were part. You were part of the couple times. I was like, why not? You know, now that I had the skates. Um, yeah, and this, I have done it a, couple, a few times, and I'm just bad in general. I've never been good at. I used to skate as a kid. Like I would go to the skating rink. I was always kind of a loser. Let's just remember that. But like I would go to the skating rink and just be as the same amount of fright as I am today. Okay. So yeah, that it's been consistent. Yeah. So I'll, I'm I I am getting better as in like at not falling basically, but that's where I'm at. So uh huh. I mean, did you skate this past summer? Yeah, I did. Nice. Like a total of four times, I think. But it was like I had a, had some advice and some practice and so like my fourth time I was like clenching those thighs which is what you're supposed to be doing anyways. oh man it's like it's always the core or the inner thigh yeah it's like so the pandemic wasn't great for indoor rinks but it was a big boom in something people were doing outside and skate companies are sold out there's a woman called she's a brick house works at get your bearings skate shop in shoreline she grew up in washington and her mom would drop her off at the skate shop or the skate rink, whatever. She talks about how Derby community has a strong pro LGBTQ LGBTQ stance. <laughs> you said that like my grandma. <laughs> what are the letters you say? What what are the how do you guys call being gay now? Um but so and so she works at this she has a skate company called Get Your Bearing Skate Shop in Shoreline. They're like sold out. Like these aren't the items that like are being mass produced like yeah there's mass production of skates but when you're talking about like good skates it's smaller businesses that are making them and they're like swamped everyone the people who aren't baking bread are roller skating maybe they're doing both i don't know but uh judkins park i don't know if judkins park was like a big thing before that it definitely increased in popularity describe the scene at judkins park is that the one where i skated at Mm mm-hmm See, you guys, I never know where I am. That's the thing. I'm in a car and I'm We located. just blindfold her until <laughs> basically we bring her to her destination. Um, from where I was, there is some green space. There's a skating, like a skateboard area too, um, to the left. And then there's kind of, it's like a fenced in area. A tennis court. It's, yeah, that's what it was. Okay, yeah, it was a tennis court. But it was like spray painted. So it felt like a cooler vibe. You yeah, know? it's kind of like a reclaimed tennis court where. On any given day, I think you can see someone skating in there. I don't think they share the space with, like, other sports or anything. But then on certain days of the week, it's, like, everyone's there. There's music. It's, like, a lot of – it's very colorful. Like, people are wearing it's a It's outfits. a vibe. It's a vibe. It's young people. It's queer people. It's There's all kinds of people there. There's just – I hate the word diversity, but there's just more queerness. It's not a white – it's not hetero space yeah you're not gonna see any boring bachelorette like outfit you know maybe you would but like it's not the dominant culture i honestly i well i've only been there once but i was like there was nothing like that in sight yeah you know like christian girl fall or whatever right 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 um there's like skate influencers who are like basically doing what all influencers do but they're just on skates it's the outfits it's the aesthetic i definitely watched in during the pandemic some skate skate influencers i mean it's so influential to watch (laughs) them look it's like not only do they look amazing like most influencers but they're also like doing cool ass moves and i feel like it's you have to see it to believe it you know and if you've seen it you know it but i don't know when you see it in person they're just gliding, doing all these moves. I'm just like, I'm. Ta- I I know this sounds corny, but I am taken away with like how 
cool they look. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, wow, this is, I'm so lucky to see this. It's literally how I feel. Just happy to be here. I'm yeah, be here. exactly. Um, yeah, and so we went to Bumper Shoot, and there was a whole skating area there. So people were doing performances. I don't know if it, oh, yeah, like you could rent skates and, and do it. We didn't, but mm-hmm. um, so that was. <laughs> we knew our place. Uh, yeah and it wasn't skating yeah we were there we were there just to gaze for just to be voyeurs so like whatever it got really popular there's um this group called roll around sea town um founded by tiffany mason which is the one of the groups or maybe the only group that uses um the judkins park area they've been uh roll around sea town has been plotting to cultivate an outdoor skate scene in seattle like even prior to the pandemic but when the south gate roller rink shut down during the pandemic and the national skate jam circuit was canceled like things became more urgent and so that I think was like a big part of why they started using Judkins Park yeah it makes sense or maybe they were before but it got bigger but I don't know it feels like it just got I don't know there's something about the space where it just feels like we've taken over in the last three years or something and and she also talked so she grew up in Bellevue she talks about or she grew up in Seattle she talks about going to Bellevue did she go to Bellevue oh she went to Bellevue Skate Kings Adult Nights in the 1980s, and she talks about seeing gray, a gray-haired woman named Gertrude skating in flamboyant neon outfits. Um, she says she always looked like she was wow. either coming from a parade or going to a parade. God, Bellevue has changed so much. <laughs> that yeah, is dude. insane to imagine. Yeah, Gertrude with the outfits is not in Bellevue yeah. anymore. I'm going to tell you right now, Bellevue is like uh, fi- the financial district of the Seattle area. It's like boring suits and and wear worn by 19 year olds like running around and mm-hmm. it's yeah. very bizarre yeah she said that the outfits reflected the way she skated and the fun she was having and that always caught my attention i think it's really cool when adults have fun totally i feel like for people since our society is so focused around people with kids it feels like it's all about what this what sports are the kids doing the play that the kid is in and like adults just like stop being creative and stop doing cool stuff and or they just never did cool stuff that definitely is a thing as well uh, yeah that's definitely a thing so like seeing in united skates these spaces, united skates that's the documentary we watched oh i thought you just <laughs> came up with that in the top of your head i was like wow <laughs> thank you for believing in me that i could do that but it's like you see these you see these gatherings these these community spaces where like adults and kids are all doing the same thing they're all out there. and honestly the adults are better and they're kind of like centered more than the kids yeah i guess maybe because it's late at night sometimes but yeah i mean that's why i love line dancing and two stop because it's like intergenerational mm-hmm. and people are having fun and it's also queer space but yeah uh, dance is can really be like that like a multi-generational community kind of and it's always better when everybody can see you dancing you mean like instead of being in a garage yeah oh yeah that was the garage part what do you mean (laughs) that was the garage i said that there wasn't going to be another it wasn't going to be the last time we heard okay someone skating in their garage i think tiffany mason at some one of the articles i read talked about like during the pandemic like she lives in renton and not to like dox her but it was very (laughs) you're like her address is (laughs) i don't know her address but i mean it wasn't that hard to find that out so she says this is not a click this is a community if you have a positive attitude and you want to be here this is your home they hosted a juneteenth role for rights as a skater's form of peaceful protest 
she lives in Renton. Interesting. Yeah, that's why I'm like. I think there's like one more skate place in Renton or something. There's. I don't think there's a skate place in Renton. Maybe it's Kent. Oh, Kent sucks though. Um, Sorry, it does. She said that the goal of Roll Around Sea Town is to have an outdoor skate pavilion built in the greater Seattle area that is dedicated to roller skating. They have like they need certain amount of space. They want to accommodate 200 skaters. They want just like something covered with a smooth surface. Yada yada. She writes on their website they they currently skate at Judkins Sports Courts and share the space with many other sports. Okay, that is an answer to my earlier question. And that they appreciate having the space, but it's their only option and it doesn't fully meet their needs. And she also writes, there's a huge demand for Seattle to have an outdoor roller skating pavilion. The sport appeals to all ages, ranging from three to 70, encompasses all ethnicities and diverse backgrounds. It allows people to come together in a fun, healthy and safe environment. Our indoor rinks are becoming a thing of the past. We lost several rinks during the pandemic and over the past 10 years in Washington State. These facilities are closing and are sold to other businesses. It's pivotal that we build an outdoor dedicated space to keep this sport alive and pass it forward to generations to come. So as someone, like I said, who I'm often in meetings where people are talking about what to do with a block of space. The city owns a block of land and they're wondering how to develop it. There's a light rail station going in and people are asking, what do we put in there? My firm, we're constantly... We're drawing things showing open space, community buildings, and then we get back drawings that show apartment complexes, mixed-use buildings. And I just feel like if you, as a city, say things like you're committed to diversity and you're committed to creating cities where people can live, work, play, thrive, all those things that people say, like you really should be reserving some space you should be reserving open space you should be reserving space that can truly be used by a community you should be ser- like serving different kinds of needs it's i think that whatever city is savvy enough to put outdoor roller skating space in a central area i think it'll be a huge draw and it'll be a huge win for for them for society for society and for the city frankly like so many cities right now are like, are downtown. No one goes downtown. Why does anyone go downtown? Whatever, yeah. Which is, and why does it matter? Because of businesses. There are businesses downtown that used to have foot traffic from I people just, in offices. and Yeah, I hate when they say that. It really irritates me. Because it's like usually fear-mongering kind of, because it's like. Well, and it's like for the economy, which is like the whole thing of, yeah. of urban planning. It's like just, whatever. It's just. For money and so in seattle they're doing things like oh they're having like projections like art projections onto like city buildings with like stuff that seems cool like light projections created by indigenous people and like the art seems cool but at the same time you're like why would i go to pioneer square just to right to to look at that they're also our our friend sid was telling us they did do a pop-up roller rink in the same area but the flooring that they used wasn't didn't work well and not a lot of people came and she was like expressing concern that that would tell city planners that like that was not successful and not desired by the community like oh we tried this but no one came yeah I'm also like no offense planners but you don't know how to throw a party like right right. their events are always so stale and void of any fun and i would know yeah it's you really have to let people take the reins i think like yeah it's not cool when a bunch of 
people who have been public servants for years and years and are now you know mature and have so much wisdom they're old and they're not like cool most yeah. of the time and they're like oh like what if we put like i just i don't want to say anything offensive i don't think that they're always thinking about it's just not cool if it's not diy is really is really <laughs> the, when you get to the bottom of it totally totally or if you're like okay so gas works was kind of diy in the sense that um it's not halperin what was his name Oh, oh no! We went to not school. Ian McCarg. He's the GIS guy. The other one, I always get them mixed up. Whatever, who cares? He's I mean, I kind of care. The guy. He's kind of a wacky dude. He adopted like nine kids, and he was Catholic. And like, anyways, he was like, I don't want any community input. I'm Richard gonna... Haig. That's it. Yeah, and he created Grassworks, which was supposed to be a representation of the, of the industry that was there, and so they used existing sites. And utilize, like, you know, ruins from this area to intermingle with the community space. And it's really well done. It's beautifully well done. But it was from an artistic perspective that took care and tender. So, like, yes, it's either DIY or you're, like, a serious artist that's, like, considering space and place. Yeah, I mean, I do like that take. I've also – it's also the kind of thing where, like, really stubborn men, white men who don't – consider anyone else's opinions like Lawrence Halprin get a yeah. lot of credit for being like oh they just had vision and you're like I, I I feel both ways where I'm like I don't really get excited about hearing those kinds of stories because I'm like oh great you didn't listen to anyone yeah I know but at the same time designed by a committee where you just have a bunch of people who are like oh but that no but that no and it's like yeah there's no real vision right it gets squashed by like a million concerns totally and it ends up shitty yeah I think one of the things that also is ran by our society but also a big city planning attribute of how we see cities is safety and they, we even have like a safety standard that we abide by but it's like in the way we design you have to have vis- sight visions and all these like things uh, sight lines, sight into lines the, into the, yeah. which ruins artistic design a lot of the time but um i mean the fact that like design of public space has to abide by some rules and i'm not saying like septet is good yeah but septet. it's like it th- things have to function in a way that like art on a canvas doesn't but it is like i mean and gasworks is such a good example of like american over cautiousness where it's like one person fell off and broke their arm and now like that whole space is like gated off or whatever and overgrown with like wild berries because mm. no one can get into that access to like deal with it it's really offensive quite honestly but i guess like a good solution i mean and overall i think septed would totally accept a roller roller rink um yeah so a lot of cities or several cities have have put these spaces in there's monroe street midway in detroit i'll show you we'll put the picture up right here so let's snap the picture is it's a downtown city block and so it's seasonal so during the winter they do something else and then during the summer they bring up turf they like paint there's the roller rink there's like basketball rinks and it's really like grassroots like it wasn't a consultant that came in and designed that there's just like arts artists who are like out there painting Love it. with rollers i would and- say that's like really well done which makes me think yeah no planner did that they use color <laughs> oh god forbid this is scissor tail park in oklahoma they have like this outdoor covered space and it's like a roller rink during sometimes and then they have the farmer's market underneath it um and so basically what i'm saying is like cities are cities are doing it it's it's not like it can't be done and i think it should be done and 
that but hope really thinks it should be done <laughs> i'm i can't pretend i'm chill I, I mean you could it's flexible space you can use it for concerts you can use it for roller skating you can use it for the farmer's market and in conclusion i just don't know why anyone would not do it yeah especially if people are asking for it mm -hmm. especially if a group of people are demanding it actually it's like why aren't we giving it seems like an easy fix mm -hmm. so easy um and again it's really cool to watch i can't find better words to say yeah i don't know what else to say than it's really cool it's to inspiring watch. in the kind of way where you're like i'm inspired to not do anything because there's no way i could ever do that like i'm not going to be able to do the splits on skates like i no. even though i'm a little delusional and went through a, per a brief period of time where I convinced myself I could do the splits just by imagining it myself It was a good time. It. it was a fun time. Yeah. Uh, despite that, it's like I'm under no delusion that I'm ever going to be able to do the things they were doing in United Skates. But um, maybe maybe I'll take up skating. Maybe or maybe not. Just keep fighting for the good fight of skating. I'm a skate activist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that doesn't skate. I think that's... I'm a non-skating skate activist. Yeah, I just feel like... Yeah, let's just, it's easy. It's an easy solution, an easy fix. Let's just have some skating involved. And I'm here for it. Public space. I didn't really talk about the outfits, but outfits are part of it. Of and course. It's, it would just make everything, uh, everything merry and bright. Yeah, disco balls are a lot of time. Um, the one skater that I watched, the influencer that I watched, oh, I forgot her name. She's like Mia something. Um, she skates and hula hoops with like 20 hula hoops at once. Oh, yeah, it's, it's like, that's insane the amount of time it takes to get to that place yeah i'm like when did you start learning that mm -hmm. the things i could have learned anyways that's all that's all i got all right well thank you guys for listening all the way through what are we at only an hour and 20 why are you, why are you saying it like it was so long i know but it is rare that people get to the end of the episode statistically that's what i'm saying that's what you're saying yeah I, not that it was like super long my, i have mine was like two hours <laughs> yeah so. um okay i love you i love you bye, bye.